Al Jazeera podcast. Israel bombs hospitals attacking an already crumbling health service. Their place is protected by international law where hundreds of thousands of Palestinians have sought shelter. What is the state of Gaza's healthcare system ravaged by siege and war? I'm James Bays and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. For more now, let's bring in our panel of guests. In Gaza City, we have Dr Ahmed Mukolalati, the head of the plastic surgery department at the Al-Shifa Hospital. It's the biggest medical complex in Gaza and was targeted recently in an Israeli strike. In Ramallah, Nebal Farsak, a spokeswoman for the Palestinian Red Crescent Society. And in Alexandria in Egypt, it's Mads Gilbert, who heads the emergency department at the University Hospital of North Norway. He's also a professor of medicine who's worked in Gaza for many years including in the 2014 war. Thank you, all of you, for joining us. I think we should start by going to Dr Ahmed there in the Shifa Hospital. Uh, you are an Irish-Palestinian uh, surgeon who is there uh, on the ground in Gaza City. Um, you have seen many things in the past. Gaza's had four wars before this one. But did you ever think you'd see a situation as bad as this? So, thanks for, for having us. Actually, it's my first war in Gaza, yes. I moved to Gaza last February from London. I was in St. Thomas Hospital. Uh, but what have everyone described here is this one of the worst they have ever seen. It's a horrible situation. Uh, the, the, the atmosphere here is there is no safe place at all. There is no one safe at all. There is no way that we see any, any light by the end of this tunnel. So there is, there, there is nothing we can expect will improve the current situation. In hospital, which is 700-bit capacity, in the first few hours, we received more than 1,000 uh, casualties in this hospital. What's happening now, all the hospital uh, beds are full, patients are on the ground, they are all overcrowded. Uh, we have more than 50,000 people in Shifa Hospital, uh, refugees or just evacuating in Shifa Hospital, assuming it's one of the safest places. The weapons they have used are totally different from the old ones. I'm a burn surgeon. I deal with burn patients. The kind of burn and the depth of burn we've seen is, is totally different. You can see this fly, this part of the very crowded place that everything is, uh, let me say, uh, not that aseptic. There is no way that you can keep anything clean in this hospital. So back, the burns are really severe, extensive burn, and you keep the bride in cleaning the burn, and then in a few days, you get, again, deeper layers of burn. So... Uh, the whole system, I, I think it's collapsing or it's collapsed already because when you have hospitals full, ICUs are full, theaters, half of the theaters are functioning only because the patients are crowded in the recovery rooms. Uh, the supplies we get uh, has almost finished. What we got as in, in the last few days is, is very minimal for what we need. What we consume in Gaza now in one day is more than what we used to consume in a month time. So we are running out of everything. Electricity, now we work on in Shiva Hospital, which is the main hospital, in the secondary smaller generator, where many departments, they, they don't have electricity, they don't have lights. Uh, maybe here I'm in a theater. Our theaters and ICU are still running as well as the emergency department. But we are at, at any point at the risk of running out of the fuel. The water, you hardly get water. We, we had really difficulties getting good drinking water or natural drinking water. The one we drink is very weird taste for that. We don't know where it's coming from. 
there is no mineral water remained in Gaza uh, at, at the current time. For the uh, Dr. Human, Ahmed, no uh, Dr. Ahmed, let me just interrupt you so there. Dr. Ahmed, let me just interrupt you there, because on top of all of this, uh, we had, on the afternoon of the 3rd of November, an attack on a convoy of ambulances that were going to take people to Rafa for medical care in Egypt um, when they left Al-Shifa and then they came back to Al-Shifa because they came under attack and the very hospital that you're in right now came under attack, yes? Exactly. You know what happened yesterday exactly, that uh, the Shifa hospital is overcrowded. We have more than 2,000 patients now in the hospital. And thanks to the Egyptian, they approved to get us uh, less than 100 patients to be evacuated to Egypt. So the ICRC and the UN, everyone refused to arrange for this patient transport as per the international law. And then we found no way here to get the patients transported from Shifa Hospital to Rafah border, so from the middle of Gaza to the south of Gaza. So the ministry, after a few days of waiting, has decided that we will move this group of ambulances and we will inform everyone that this ambulance will move at this certain time from Shifa Hospital through Rashid, which is the beach, the main uh, coastal road, uh, down to Rafah borders. And they informed everyone what happened. They started moving from Shifa Hospital in two or three minutes' time in Ansar uh, roundabout. They just uh, bombed the first ambulance. And then the Holy Group decided to go back to Shifa Hospital. When they arrived to Shifa entrance, they bombed another hospital, another ambulance. And we got at least 15 people killed in that attack and 17 Where were, where were you at the time, this Dr. Is, Ahmed? You know, where the we, Dr. Ahmed, where were you at the time? I was really lucky. Ten minutes before the attack, I was there at the entrance trying to find something to eat. So it's the entrance of the hospital. It's more of a small market where everyone tried to get something to eat there. So there are, like, food, uh, street food there. There are many shops with, with selling, you know, a few things, not shops, like small places to, to buy something. So I went there trying to find something to eat. I was there with two of my colleagues 10 minutes before the attack, and we we're super lucky, you know, that we just we got escaped that one. Because when they bombed that place, it's super, super crowded. I think we were lucky that the strike happened between an ambulance and another car. Otherwise, the shrapnels would have killed at least two or 300 people. It's super crowded there. And what we believe, this is a Shifa hospital. This is part of the Shifa hospital. It's, it's the entrance of Shifa hospital, which assumed to be one of the safest places for the people here. Nabal, you are from the Palestinian Red Crescent. It was your ambulances that were bombed. Let me just tell you what the Israeli military said. They say it was an airstrike on an ambulance being used by Hamas and a number of Hamas terrorist, terrorist operatives, their words, were killed. Your reaction? Our reaction was happened yesterday was um, a war crime intentionally targeting a group of ambulances while they were trying to conduct their humanitarian role, transporting critically injured patients to go to Rafah, through Rafah, to go to get treatment uh, in Egypt. Unfortunately, as the doctor uh, said, we were uh, only in our way to, heading towards uh, the south to transport the wounded people. We were five ambulances, uh, one, uh, all of them for the uh, Ministry of Health, one of them is for the Palestine Red Crescent. And during that time, due to a, block, a, block, a blockade in the street because of the bombardment, we had to return around. And then uh, when we are re returning around uh, in Rashid Street, the first bombardment took place, which uh, 
target uh, the Palestine, uh, the Ministry of Health ambulance, and then we were continued towards Shifa Hospital when the second bombardment happened, uh, and um, it has resulted to the damage of the Palestine Red Crescent ambulance as well as two colleagues were critically injured. What um, Israel is saying is just a justification for multiple attacks against uh, medical missions and medical teams. This should not be uh, acceptable. The healthcare workers, healthcare personnel, as well as healthcare facilities should be protected according to the international humanitarian law. Up to this moment, the Palestine Red Crescent have uh, lost uh, eight ambulances, went out of service due to a bombardment from Israel occupation forces. Most importantly, we have lost four colleagues who were killed while they were trying to conduct their life-saving mission, trying to save other people's lives. At least 21 uh, other um, 21 other uh, colleagues were injured while also trying to save other people's lives. This is um, unacceptable. It's just horrifying to see healthcare workers should risk their life in order to save other people's life. While according to the international humanitarian law, healthcare facilities and personnel should be protected. We are let me bring in. Let me bring in. Let me bring in Dr. Mads now, and I don't want to spend all of the discussion assessing Israeli claims. Um, because we could do that, and I think we need to concentrate on the, on the situation, the dire situation in Gaza. But I am going to bring up one, because it's persistent, and that is the claim that the Al-Shifa Hospital, where Dr Ahmed is right now, and you know it very well, Dr Mads, is the main Hamas command and control centre built underneath that hospital. Let's just address that, because they keep bringing that up. Uh, thank you, and I'd like first to express my deepest respect for the work that Dr. Ahmed and the nurses, the paramedics, and all the volunteers are doing in, this, in the hospitals in Gaza, in North Gaza in particular, and in Shifa in particular. They are enormously courageous. They have been working night and day for more than three weeks now, and it is under the most challenging and dangerous circumstances. They stand tall. We need their patients. They don't leave their patients. The conditions are horrible. They are getting sick themselves. The water is absent. The brackish water is used. Electricity is gone. To be a, work, uh, a health worker under these conditions with, um, you know, 2,000 patients and then being attacked, it is a burden. It is such a situation that these people deserve all our deepest respect. Now to the claims. Uh, from Israel that uh, Shifa is a Hamas command center. First time we heard this was in 2009, and it's been repeated ever since. So they had all these years, 16 years, to uh, to prove it. There is absolutely no proof. And um, I have been walking freely all over Shifa. I was working in Shifa, Shifa during the attack in 2009 and 12 and 14. I take pictures, I film, I write books, I do research on Shifa. Uh, I've never seen these commanders or this command center, and had I seen it, I would not have worked there, because I work according to the Geneva Convention. So I, I urge the Israeli propaganda people to show the proof. My understanding of these allegations is that they want to take the media attention away from the main problem, namely, namely the massacres of civilians and the attack on healthcare. So the journalist will ask again, again, again. Like yesterday, they say, oh, these were Hamas ambulances, without any proof. 
So these constant noise has the function, the political function of taking the media attention away from the main cause, which well, is actually... not, Well, let, you're right, so let's take the media attention back to actually what's going on on the ground in Gaza with Dr Ahmed. And just looking at the problems you're facing there in your hospital, I don't really know where to start. The lack of medical staff, the fact that so many hospitals and clinics have been bombed or closed, the lack of medicine, the lack of surgical supplies, the limited water, the fuel that's running out. But let's start with... With, with doctors and nurses, I mean, how overworked are you? Because I assume some of the doctors and nurses have been killed or injured. So, so just to start with, you know, we're working in totally unsafe atmosphere and, and the whole situation is that no one knows where to go to be safe or where to keep their families safe. And being in a Shifa hospital, we assume that this is the safest place, but it's the most, like, threatened place to be bombed. And just coming to the big massacre at the Ahli Hospital, which is at Sher's Hospital, we thought that would be the last place to be bombed in Gaza, being a hospital first and being a church hospital, and 150 years old hospital with the reference, with their reference in, in UK. But what happened that there is no place which can be protected. So uh, I think the numbers of the uh, medical professional skills are more than 135 were killed, more than 20 uh, ambulances were uh, bombed or just, you know, uh, uh, striked. So what we feel, there is no place which is safe. And don't forget, we all have our families, we have our people. So what happened to me that most of my family are in UK and Ireland. So I live alone here. Uh, I have to bring my family, my two, my three kids and my pregnant wife to my office here in a small closed place. And we mainly, mainly have the uh, the cans or the noodles to be our main food. We hardly get fresh food once every three or four days. We get big challenges to get water. So what happened now, I work with only 30% capacity of our health professionals. It's not only me, it's all the whole hospital. And if you go there, you see just yesterday, I got only two doctors with me who have to see 200 patients under our list and we have to operate for at least 10 cases per day. So the whole situation is collapsing. The people are worried. We have our plastic surgeon, Dr. Midhat Saddam, who got killed on, I think, the day 10 of the attack when he went to go and have some rest in his house. We got, uh, like, just this morning, one of our doctors, his brother, is a very, in a very critical situation in the, in the middle of Gaza, where he thought it's, like, a safe place to evacuate. So he will not be able to function, you know, greatly. One of our cleaners, the main cleaner, his father uh, was killed like three weeks ago, and then he continued the same day, and he's the main cleaner who stayed with us. Yesterday, his cousin was killed as well. Just he stopped for one or two hours, then you have no time to stop. So the whole personnel has been, you know, just suffering, and we work with not more than 30% of our capacity. Regarding the equipment, as, as a burn surgeon, I ran out of the blades used for skin graft, and I have to... I found a box of old things, what we call humpy knife, which used to be the main uh, knife used in the 70s or 60s, uh, and they are my, my main knives now, which I was never trained to use them now. So you run, whatever you run out of, they will not come back. The amount of consumables we use are really too much. When you go to the hospital, you will find the emergency department is full of, I think, 250 injured patients on the ground, in the corridors. There is no place. The evacuated people with very bad uh, situation where you are afraid of endemics. I have been having flu for the last two weeks you know, coughing and having runny nose for two, three days, then coughing. You don't know what's happening. It's never a healthy atmosphere to work in. 
you will find the flies in the hospital. You can't keep the sterile uh, atmosphere in the hospital because of the gush of cases you get. Imagine the emergency department chief of hospital who has to deal with 300 casualties at one point, which already full. We have the red area, the green zone, and all this stuff. The, the red zone now is full. They hardly can get two beds free for the critical. Red zone is the intensive care of the emergency department where we receive the critical patients. It's full now with patients. We can't keep the patients, you know, to take their care. So we put them in the ground. We start working on them. The anesthesia medications, they are not as needed. We have very little of these things. The fuel will run out at one point. I don't know why the people are looking at this. This is a war crime. This is a genocide. You can't imagine, you know, when earthquake happened, everyone would run just trying to help the people to evacuate the patients. We okay, let me bring in. Let me bring in. Let me bring in, Doctor Doctor Mads. Now, um, Doctor Mads, you are in Egypt. You're trying to get to Gaza if you're given per permission to go in there. Um, you have been in the Al Shifa hospital many, many times before. You've been in that hospital when it's been at war. But do you recognise the conditions that you're hearing here? The fact they're having to treat people not in beds but are lying on floors. I've heard that in some uh, places in Gaza, doctors are actually using vinegar to disinfect wounds. Well, it's always been very hard to work in Shifa during bombardment because it is so insecure and limited, as Dr Ahmed is telling. But what we see now is unprecedented. I have never, ever seen anything like it. And I think his description is very precise. There is barely space on the ground to place patients. I mean, we've had to put two operating tables in one room. We've had crowded places in the wards. But this is beyond anything we have seen before. And when you add to that the lack of fuel, we know that yesterday they had to stop the oxygen machines that makes oxygen, the concentrators. They had to stop the sterilizing machines and they had to turn off the air condition for the morgue where the, where the dead ones are. In addition to, to not having water and supplies, this is a man-made, extremely evil situation. First, you bomb the civilians, you injure them, then you take them to hospital and you bomb the hospital and you deny the internationally protected people who take care of our wounded uh, brothers and sisters, whoever they are. They deny them the tools and the supplies they need to treat and to rescue people. And don't forget that the majority of these patients are children. Among the 25,000 injured, there are 7,500 children. And many of the ones that Dr. Ahmed are talking about, the birds, are children. So this is not an earthquake. This is all man-made. It's meant to be like this because the occupiers, the Israeli army, have turned off through the siege of Gaza, the water and the fuel and the, and the electricity, and they've turned off the uh, medical supplies. And we, who want to come in, waiting in Egypt to come in, are not allowed in. So this okay, is, Nabal, can I bring you in on the issue? Can I bring you in in on the issue of fuel? I mean, fuel is running out. There's not very much left. How worried are you of fuel running out completely because Israel's not allowing it in? And what will then happen? We are completely worried uh, regarding running out of the fuel. We have uh, already three Palestine Red Crescent ambulances were stopped because running out of gasoline. The situation in our hospital is also catastrophic. As uh, highlighted, we are running uh, shortages of medical supplies and medicine and, most importantly, fuel. Now, all hospitals in Gaza have turned into not only a place for wounded people uh, and patients, 
They are a shelter for thousands of civilians. We are uh, under intense bombardments. The Palestinian Red Crescent run Al-Quds Hospital. Al-Quds Hospital for the past days have been under intense bombardments that has taken place all over the hospital, which has resulted to complete damage of most buildings and the surrounding area of the hospital, as well as a severe damage for the building. At least 42 civilians, were, uh, those who are internally displaced and they are they sought refuge inside the hospital. Most of them are children and women. Dr. Ahmed, um, we've talked about fuel. There's also, uh, apparently, according to the UN, only 5% of Gaza's water needs are currently being met. How worried are you that there could be an even worse... Well, compounding everything we've got, um, even more bad things coming in, in terms of disease? I see one official from the IC, ICRC saying there's a risk of cholera, diarrhoea, hepatitis A and typhoid around the corner. Listen, I've been in, in a strictly, let me say, uh, aseptic uh, places during my work before moving here. And when I moved here, I was trying to keep the same thing. What's happening now, you can't keep these aseptic, sterile conditions at all. So the corridors are full of people. Even the stairs, the streets, tents, the bathrooms are really busy with, like, loads of people waiting for that. So the personal hygiene will be very low because of the lack of water, lack of places to get shower or just to clean yourself and then the food and the places so what's happening now is the best area to get all these cholera or pandemics things to happen and it will happen at any point i'm telling you flies are filling the hospital you will see worms in all the wounds very strange you know very like folk let me say like a lot a lot of patients with worms coming out of the wounds it's disgusting to see that i've seen one of the patients with 40 percent burn who I was doing dressing for the patient daily, and then he was full of worms. I brought the patient to the theater. We washed the room, the patient, for more than one and a half hour shower with all aseptic things. We use vinegar, we use the soup, we use the washing. Whatever you find there, we use because we run out of the usual things. And I, I put sugar as well on most of the wounds. So I use everything. I clean the patient at 10 o'clock in the evening. The next day, 10 o'clock in the morning, the patient was again full of worms. The situation is, you know, is really horrible here. I don't know what the people are waiting for. They are killing the people, as they said. They said, go to south. South is safe. They killed them on their way. They said, go to south. It's safe. They bombed there in south, in the UN schools. Now, in the hospital, it's, everyone feels that it's unsafe, but the people will use it as shelters here. So it's full of patients. It's full of people. It's totally aseptic. It's, to, it's totally septic places. It's totally crowded places. Could I ask you very, very briefly, what would be your one message to the international community right now from Shifa Hospital in Gaza City? The kids we see, the children we have seen, we have been killed in Gaza and not allowed to get the treatment as well. And we, the, basic, the basic right of anyone in a catastrophe is to get support from the people outside. The medical health professionals are, you know, we are collapsing, we are really tired, we can't tolerate more and more. It's, it's almost a month now. For me, I've been in the hospital for the whole of a month. I can't see the people. They can hardly work with these circumstances. We, we are thinking that someone should come and stop this thing. And at least we should have support. What we believe in, everyone should at least help us to evacuate the patient, to get more health, you know, doctors, nurses, to support us in what we do. What we face here is like killing us slowly. We know the mortality rate is very high for all the patients because we can't give the best care. The care we provide to the patient is very minimal. 
because the equipments are not there, the consumers are not well. We are really exhausted. We are tired. I think the system is collapsing. It's almost collapsing. We feel it's, we are still strong. We are fighting. We are fighters. The guys are known for being fighters. The doctors. We will not not leave the, leave the patients. But the situation is catastrophic. Everyone should just stand there and stop this genocide. They should stop what's happening to the health system, to the people, to the kids. Simply, what's behind each child is a sad story. I can tell you 70% of the relatives who are coming with the patient are not first-degree relatives. I will ask them, how are you related? You will not get, you know, sister or mother or father. They will say, like, you know, the whole family was wiped up, and we got only, you know, I am the cousin. I am the far cousin of the kids. So what we see here is horrible. Sometimes I prefer not to ask about the details, not to ask about what's behind the story of this child. I just operate on and just carry on. Because if you keep asking, you can't continue operating and working in these catastrophic places. So everyone should just stand up and say, this is, this is a war crime, this is genocide. This has to be stopped. Dr. Ahmed, thank you very much. A very harrowing discussion, but thanks to all our guests, Dr. Mads Gilbert, Nabel Farsak, and in Gaza City, Dr. Ahmed Mukalati. Please stay safe to you. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Alexandra Byers, Abla Klar, and Gemma Harries. Studio sound was by Senthil Marimuthu, and the programme was edited by Ahmed Alfaga, Zena Bada, and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thanks for listening. I'm James Bays, and I'll be here with another edition on Sunday. We live in a world where the news is at our fingertips, where we're one click or swipe away from the latest headlines. But how often do we stop swiping and scrolling and just listen? It's the difference between knowing what's in the headlines and understanding how it got there. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take, Al Jazeera's daily news podcast, where we bring you the context and the people behind the global stories that matter. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.